Hi, y'all. We are back for another episode today. And today I have another parent on the podcast who is going to talk about her family's autism journey. She is also the anti-hustle coach. And one of the ways in DMs we were chatting is she was telling me that she started doing this work because of her son being diagnosed and wanting to be fully present in her children's lives and all of that. So I'm really excited for you today to hear her story. Her name is Marissa Hohaya here today with me. And what I'm really hoping that you get out of this episode, first off, before we hit record, she talked about, this is one of her first times talking more publicly, like on a podcast about her family's autism journey and specific the journey with her son. So I, I want you to just listen and experience that with her, helping you to know you're not alone in this. And then we'll also talk about her business as well, because I'm hoping she'll give us some good tips on anti-hustle, because I think being an autism parent, you often have more to juggle and you're having to balance a lot. And when you go into that hustle mode, your body is going into that fight or flight mode as well. Welcome to a parenting space actually designed for you, where you can get answers about navigating a life that includes autism. I'm Dr. Tay, a licensed child psychologist and parental coach specializing in neurodivergent affirming care. I have supported hundreds of autistic children and their families and have been in the autism field for over a decade. And I know firsthand the impact autism can have. I was 12 years old when my little brother was diagnosed and my family had to learn how to navigate the autism journey. It wasn't always easy. Two decades later, I now create resources and services I wish my family had, including this podcast, and I developed the whole family approach. On this podcast, of course, we will talk about autism, but we will also talk about your personal growth and well-being as a parent, supporting your non-autistic children, and sharing personal stories of other families so you know you're not alone. Quick disclaimer before we jump into today's episode. Anything shared on this podcast should not be considered clinical advice, and you should consult with your team of medical, mental health, and developmental providers if you need support. So Marissa, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. And as we talked about just coming off the back of um, some dysregulation myself yesterday, so it's perfect timing. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about you and your family and give us that introduction. Yeah. So my background is in psychology and recruiting. And I just in the past four years have branched out into what I found is my calling, which is coaching. And we live in Michigan and I focus on helping women who are really successful, but yet very unfulfilled, learn how they can make the shift out of the busyness and the hustle to create their best life, to really find new joy and new fulfillment. And that has really been my own journey. And especially with the added layer of autism, like you mentioned, it can be really hard sometimes to find the joy, find the fulfillment and do the things that you, you really want to do. And earlier on in our journey as a family, I really took a toll on us. And not to say that autism was the reason, but we did, end, my ex-husband and I, we did end up getting divorced. So we had to navigate that. And now my son is 11. I have a nine-year-old neurotypical son as well. And we just are in this new phase of a blended family on my side. 
So now we have a whole new set of family dynamics with another non-bio parent and three non-bio kids and trying to make space for everybody and be accepting and inclusive, but also teaching other kids about autism who really historically haven't really had much involvement with that. So it's been very interesting for me in navigating that that change and kind of being responsible or holding myself responsible for educating, managing emotions, all the things. So finding the space and the balance for my business, myself, everything has been a new world for me here in the last couple months. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool to hear this transition to of building a new family dynamic and helping to educate other children about autism, I think can be this unique journey, but also so incredibly important. Before we dive more into that, I have to ask, I didn't really, so at the beginning of this episode, for those listening, I was asking Marissa how to say her last name. And I said, oh, it sounds like Ohio. And then you said, your son says that people call him that, and he doesn't like that. And you're from Michigan. So yes, are you guys big football fans? So (laughs) I'm not, I could tell you it's so embarrassing. I literally know nothing about football. (laughs) I do know about the Michigan, Ohio kind of thing going on, but no, so I actually, I grew up in Michigan, but I went to see Boulder and then I actually lived in New Zealand for seven years after college where I met my ex-husband. He was a professional rugby player and we, then we moved to England and my kids were actually born in England and then we moved back to Michigan because of the the autism services that were available in the U.S. versus England and New Zealand at the time. I've been completely out of American sports. For, I was out of the sports for a decade, so I've lost my enthusiasm for it, but... Yes. <laughs> yeah, I asked because... So I graduated from the University of Michigan. And yeah. I you might have seen my stories. I yes. talk about it all the time. So I love yeah. that little connection that you're in yeah. and that your son made that comment about Ohio. I get it even more now. So <laughs> yeah. I love it. So we weren't gonna go here, but now I'm genuinely curious of mm-hmm. like services out outside of the US. How old so how old was your son when he was diagnosed? So when he was diagnosed, he was three and okay. that was twenty fifteen. And that was abroad. Um, that, that actually occurred when we first moved back here from England. So he was born in England. And interestingly, what we were able to find access to ABA. So there were things that I was noticing. If we go all the way back, there were things I was noticing with him, mainly just the incredibly repetitive behavior. We had a Fisher Price cookie jar and he was just put the top on, take the top off tap on, take the tap off over and over again. And the social withdrawal, he was not making eye contact. He stopped making eye contact altogether. He stopped responding to his name. And even though I had a psych degree back then, this was 2013, 2014 rates, the autism rates were just, were so different. Yeah. And which is a whole other topic. Right. And when I was in college, autism was just like such a rare occurrence. So I didn't really know that much about it. And, but I knew that something was off and I didn't want to wait for a diagnosis to take action to support him. So 
we didn't have a diagnosis, but we started with ABA in home. However, it was incredibly expensive. Mm. Thankfully, we had the means to afford that in England, but the United States at the time was the only place that moving forward would have insurance coverage for ABA early intervention. So that was the reason, the driver for us coming back here was to be able to access that through insurance. Yeah. Wow. And so you had the concerns and then you ended up moving back to the U.S. and then getting the diagnosis at that point. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Could you have gotten the diagnosis in England or would it have been really long wait lists or do you not know? Whatever. We tried, we worked, we tried, we did a few different evaluations and the message that we got was they weren't confident making a diagnosis that early on. So when he was 15 months, 18 months and so on, they just were, there was just, there was so much mixed information. He is quote unquote high functioning, which I think sometimes actually is a detriment in yeah. some ways. I don't think it's easy for any kid on the spectrum, whether they're high functioning or not. And sometimes I think the high functioning kids almost get left behind when it comes to services, but anyhow, yeah. So we, they weren't confident to make a diagnosis, but we went down the ABA path anyway, because we're like, okay, without the diagnosis, at least this has to help him in some way, right? Like we have to try something to support him. He has obviously some deficiencies. So let's see how we can, how we can help him grow. And then when he was three and we came here was when they did the diagnosis. Okay. Yeah. No, that yeah. makes sense. So you said he's 11 now. Okay. Talk a little bit about what he's like now. What are some of his strengths? And then where yeah. are some areas that he still needs support? Yeah. So he's really funny. He's super sweet. And his strengths are really in when he's really motivated to do something, he's all in. He is um, really committed and he is really a joy to be around when he is really happy and he's silly. And I think the thing I love the most about him, his name is Tyler, by the way. The thing I love the most about Tyler is he truly is 100% who he is all the time. Mm -hmm. It's also what I can't stand. (laughs) It's also what drives me crazy. He doesn't care. He just doesn't care what anyone else thinks. And I think that's such a, it's so inspiring to me, such a good reminder to really step into your truth and not worry about judgment. Yeah. But it's a lot harder for me to do than it is for him. I was going to say, I think sometimes it can drive us crazy because it's like, I can't do that. Why? When it's, it's actually really incredible for someone to be that authentically themselves. A lot of times society makes it hard where we feel the pressure not to be that way. And it it can be one of those like superpowers of autism is just being like, no, this is who I am. And I absolutely love it. Yeah. And I think sometimes I heard this, I listened to this podcast. I think you and I talked a little bit over Instagram about the, the spiritual aspect of autism and how that perspective comes into play. And for me, I do believe that people with the autism experience and the diagnosis are part of this bigger mission to help us as a society really take a different look at what we place value on and how we operate and help foster a new 
existence where people are really just more themselves and where we make room for differences. And we're not just like this one size fits all approach to everything, even healthcare all the way through to schooling and just how we exist, how we show up in the world. And I think that it's, that brings me a lot of peace, that perspective. Yeah. Cause we were talking, I'm trying to remember, we were talking about human design, right? Didn't I bring We're talking that? about human design. We we're talking about manifesting. And I, it, we were having a conversation about like, how do you conceptualize manifesting in the space of autism? Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. I've made, I've toyed with that question a lot. And I, I think for me, when it comes, cause manifesting is what I teach. So creating your best life, manifesting is just creating, it's just creating whatever kind of life you want to have for yourself. And what I teach in my anti-hustle Academy is manifestation. So I have a six step process for manifesting that I, I teach my Academy clients And what's interesting about that and the question I always get is what about your manifestation when it pertains to other people? And my answer is always that whether it's autism or like a relationship that didn't work out or your husband that you want to change, we can't manifest or change other people, but we can certainly, when it comes to the case of our children, we can manifest and attract the the pieces of the puzzle that will help them become their best selves. So we can support them in their own journey by attracting what it is that they need and by being a vehicle to help them. So whether that's advocating or looking at new therapies or attracting people like yourself into your family world who can help the family, it's more about what can I attract? What can I manifest to help them on their path? Yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I remember this conversation now, it's just a little bit of a talking about manifestation because I think I was even curious of, okay, how does this come into your son's journey? Because you're talking about his, he's authentically who he is and we don't want to manifest in a way that's like hoping for something different, but then how can we bring in the supports and use manifestation to, to benefit overall without trying to quote unquote cure or get rid of the autism, which I know is something that's really big in the field. And it's easy. It would be easy to potentially be like, oh, let me just manifest that autism goes away. And that's just not how it works. So I'd love to comment on that piece. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll give you a really good concrete example of something that I'm dealing with right now. So Tyler, his deficit, and you had asked about this. I didn't answer that question. So I'll touch on that. His biggest deficit is that he flips his frontal cortex pretty quickly. So he's upset or he's triggered. He goes from zero to a hundred and it's very hard to bring that temperature back down. It happens instantaneously and he's getting bigger, he's getting older, it becomes more of a problem for himself and others. If he's throwing things, he's laying on the floor screaming and shouting, he's running around, pushing things over. What's the word I'm looking for when they eloping, eloping, running out of target. He ran out of target on me the other day on the flip of a dime and just ran into the parking lot. And they had to leave his brother behind in the store. And then he was crying and it was a whole thing, right? And then, because you're a sibling, then the siblings have unique meaning that they put on that about their importance. So it's a juggle, but because of these deficits, I'm always trying to look at different ways that I can help him. And 
really recognizing that it stems from his brain chemistry, right? There's so much more than just the behavior. There's these like deeper layers. His dad and I actually did a couple of years ago, some genetic testing and neurotransmitter testing. Mm. And it was mind blowing. It was fascinating to see all of the natural levels of different neurotransmitters that he has going on in his brain. And it makes so much sense. His behavior added just like this extra layer of understanding and, and different data points to why he is so quick to feel angry, to feel overwhelmed, to withdraw socially. And so that gave us like this information. And so what do you do with that information? How do you help your child with this? We've been looking for recently some new functional medicine doctors to help us integrate this learning into his life. So we've started him on some different supplements and made some changes to his diet. So I haven't been able to find the right functional medicine doctor yet to really work with this. A lot of them require like blood labs, which I mean, getting blood from him is near on impossible. And so I'm really working on manifesting like the right person to guide us and guide him through trying some supplement regimens that might benefit his ability to learn and his his ability to feel calm and some other dietary changes that we can then work with his ABA therapist on to, to integrate into his diet so that he's getting more nutrients. So he sleeps better and he feels better and he's happier. So that is the manifestation that I'm working on now is just like calling in and bringing forward these pieces to support him in, in where he's at in his phase of growth as an 11 year old who's entering into puberty, which yeah. <laughs> is absolutely a whole, whole new developmental stage. So I'm sitting here smirking and I'm trying to find the episode. I might have someone for you. Amazing. Yes. Synchronicities. <laughs> for those listening, episode 20, we talked about this. It's called Dietary Amazing. Supports with Naturopath Dr. Nina Marie Rueda. And we talked about she like works in particular with autistic children or children that have different needs. And she talked about that exact thing. Like blood work isn't going to happen. So what are we going to do instead? Yeah. I'll send you her information, but that's the weird thing. You're right about manifestation. And I love that like concrete example too. It's like, how can we support him and support his body chemistry? And I've talked about openly on the podcast, like I see a nurse practitioner who's much more holistic and I'm doing supplements and I've seen the change for myself. And so coming at it from not just the behavioral lens, but how can we support the body holistically? I think that's a great example. And this is a cool example too of seeing, and maybe if she's not the right person, she'll connect you with someone else. And that's how manifestation works. Yeah. Yeah. You put it's manifesting is really just having a strong desire and intention And then really believing that it is possible and really feeling into that possibility and taking some sort of action. I think this is the biggest misconception with manifesting is that you just set the intention and then it just shows up. Sometimes it will, but most of the time you have to take some action and then, or you, somebody sends you something and you you really have to come at it with a sense of curiosity of, okay, what could this mean? And Maybe this is telling me I should go in this direction, or maybe I should explore this path um, to get to where I'm I'm trying to go. So there's this 
you know, manifesting is really this journey and not just giving up when it doesn't show up the way that you expect it to arrive. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Mark Hyman. He's yeah. So, you know, they have a clinic in Pennsylvania and I heard him talking on a podcast, which I was just excited about because they're doing this same work. And I called the clinic right away and I'm like, I got to get him in there. We'll go to Pennsylvania. We'll do this. This is exactly what I've been looking for. It felt like I've uncovered it. And then they were, they let me know that they only do blood. And I was like heartbroken and I could have just stopped there. And I didn't accept that as like the end of my manifestation. Right. And then interestingly, my mom has a friend who's in healthcare, who knows of a clinic in Chicago and we're having this conversation and you're telling me about someone. So it's just also not giving up when it doesn't show up the way that you had expected it to in your mind and just really letting go of the attachment to the outcome. Yeah. Oh, I have so many thoughts right now. So (laughs) I want to go with this. So I want to, I'll first comment on the manifestation thing. I feel, and it's funny as I'm sitting here, I'm like, oh, I need to do a separate episode on this, but there is like a pop culture trend right now of getting Delulu about something like getting delusional about something. And in some ways that's what it is. It's like believing it's going to happen. But I, even for people that are listening to this, they know that I talk about woo woo things if they've listened to episodes, but if you aren't one of these people who are fully believing, there's also some scientific kind of more evidence-based basis to this in the sense of when we believe it, it helps us prime our brain to see those opportunities when how we filter information and it's the reticular activating system where if you're thinking, Oh, I want to get, okay. I, and I've used this example before I want a Tesla. That's like part of on my dream board. Like it's a yeah. goal of mine. I see Tesla's everywhere. And that's because my brain is primed to see them. And I feel like that's the same exact thing with manifestation yeah. and taking more of that like science basis to it. So what are your thoughts? Yeah. Real quick, just a brief interruption, because I want you to know you don't have to navigate this journey alone. If you're in a place where you have concerns about your child's development, you've been on the search for a therapist that provides evidence-informed neurodivergent affirming care, or you're needing more support as a parent, the whole family approach may be a good fit for you. Autism doesn't just impact your child's life, so you deserve care that works for your child and your whole family. Head to the link in the show notes to schedule a complimentary call where we can chat about your unique circumstances. We can help you decide if Dr. Tay concierge clinical care would be a good fit for your family. And if not, we will provide you resources for your next best steps. Oh man. So there's so much. Okay. So just to set the stage here. So my background is in psychology. I have a master's in organizational psychology. So I've always been a big believer in psychology and science and robust research and Then I also am a certified life coach and a certified spiritual coach, which is on the complete opposite side of the spectrum. And when I had, I never was ever really a spiritual person, but I had this kind of spiritual awakening after my divorce, through my divorce, through COVID, homeschooling a child on the spectrum, plus another kindergartner. It was a lot. And I had this spiritual awakening and I went really deep into learning. Like I'm going to consume everything I can consume about spirituality, science, psychology, 
and fix myself. That was my goal, right? (laughs) It wasn't to then take that out to the world, to other people, but I thought I was going to fix myself. And I started to see these incredible connections between what spirituality is saying, what science is saying, and what psychology is saying. Mm. And they're really all just saying the same thing in different ways. But all of the greatest thought leaders out there right now are practicing manifestation. And they're talking about, they're talking about law of attraction. I don't know if you know who Gary Brecka is, but I'm really into him at the moment. He's a biologist and he's on Joe Rogan's podcast and all these huge health conversations. And he's did a TEDx where he's talking about love, law of attraction. So it's fascinating to me, this shift that we are experiencing collectively, where we're starting to see and communicate and recognize the the science and the emotion of it. Yes, to your point, the delusional thinking, <laughs> or we'll call it self-belief or yeah. vision, it's such an important part of it, but it's manifesting really is more than that. And I think that's where a lot of people fall short is they create a vision board. And ironically, my upcoming free workshop, December 12th, is called More Than a Vision Board. Because there really is so much else that also comes into the the picture in the manifestation journey. You've got to really understand and know what are the different ingredients. And it comes down to thoughts, emotions, and action. You do have to take action. You can't just sit in, um, in your home with your vision board. You want to meet the love of your life and sit on the couch and drink wine and stare at your vision board. And never go anywhere. <laughs> I mean, like, maybe I do that with dating. He's not going to show up on your doorstep right. with like flowers and be like, hey, I'm here. You've been waiting for me forever. And that would um, be creepy, right? If you really yeah. thought about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think when it comes to Tyler for me and, and the whole autism, that's where I have a vision for Tyler that is very loose for his future, right? Because if you're too attached to it, then you're just, you're going to strangle it because you get too obsessive over it. You miss the pieces that show up because they don't look the way that you're expecting them to look. And also Tyler has his own journey, his own soul plan and his own lessons and his own free will. So I can't, I can't manifest that for him, but what I can do is I can hold this vision of, okay, I would love for Tyler to be happy. I would like for him to be able to have some sort of job so that he can contribute to the world. I would love for him at some point in time to be able to live on his own. Mm -hmm. And I would love for him to be able to have relationships, like healthy, happy relationships. And so for me in the manifestation journey of with autism, it's about attracting and finding the pieces of that goal and just being open to how they show up and just being open to receiving them however they look. And finding the lessons in the hard phases when things are really challenging and recognizing, okay, so in this blended family situation, we're in a new house and there's new people. So what is his behavior showing me? What does he need? And instead of getting upset about it and trying to make it stop, which believe me, I fall into that thinking a lot. But getting myself out of that and saying, okay, what is the universe trying to show me about him, about his life? What is he showing me? And what can I do to help him and to support him? Because that's the role that I signed on for, whether I know it or not, at a soul level, when I came here and agreed to be his mom and when he chose me to be his mom. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you took this to the perfect place of the other piece that I was thinking is this idea of if we're talking about manifestation, it is different than expectation and expectation can really end up holding us back. And that's where too, and I talk about processing, letting go of expectations when your child is first diagnosed. That's what the grief yes. is. It's more, you had these expectations and maybe they need to shift now and giving yourself the grace to be able to do that. But I also think, yeah, it's not just singing. I love how you framed it in these different areas, mm-hmm. how their goals for him and things that you're working towards, but you're not defining his life for him. I need him no. get married, have a family, have go to college, have a job that looks exactly like this. Because a lot of times you're right. We can get obsessive when we attach to something too much and that expectation isn't coming true, but it also, it takes you so much out of the present moment too, because you're so hyper-focused on the future that we do also need to, and that I don't know your thoughts on this, but with manifestation, I feel like we are thinking about the future and it's important to think through that, but we can't live in the future is the difference. Correct. We have to live in the present. hundred percent. And when you have these expectations, what happens is these really limiting stories come up. So for instance, like I was saying yesterday, he was having a meltdown and, and I had an expectation when he came to visit me yesterday on his dad's day, he wanted to come over. He wanted to have lunch. And I had this expectation that we were going to have lunch. We were going to have this great time for an hour and a half. Well, he came in hot and had an emotional meltdown and a tantrum. And we were, we ended up spending an hour. I ended up spending an hour sitting on the floor with him crying and working through it. And then by the time he was calm, we had about 15, 20 minutes to spend time together. And then he had to leave again. And then it was a whole other thing about now he's wasted all his time and and he had to leave. I was really upset because I did allow myself to have this expectation and expectations are actually one of the greatest causes of disappointment. Disappointment, frustration literally is unmet expectations about people, places, and things. And I let myself have that expectation and it, and it didn't work out well for me. And then I had to really rebound, rebound from that. So I think the more open you can be with your manifestation goals or visions, the better, the more ways that you can imagine it arriving and just really stay in this like open-minded place, the better. And I think the easiest way to do that is to stay out of the stories. So when something isn't going well, not to create this whole dialogue in your mind about oh, now he's never going to have a job and he's never going to be able to live on his own. He's not going to have a family. You just really can't go to that place. Uh, This means this and this for his future. It's no, this is a moment in time and I'm going to deal with my emotions in this moment in time and that's it. And not like projecting everything else on onto it. And I find the easiest way to do that, whether you're raising a neurodivergent child, a neurotypical child, or you don't have children, I think the easiest tip I always give my clients, which is so basic and almost stupid in a way is like, just go have some fun. If you're really stuck in this place where you're worried about your child or you're worried about yourself, or you're obsessing over this manifestation that hasn't arrived, just get out of that thought pattern and just go have some fun. Just enjoy, do something you like, spend time with someone, laugh. Like it's the quickest way to shift you out of that and put you into a higher vibration and a more positive 
mindset and just really cut out the stress and the noise in your mind. Yeah. Oh, that's so like perfect. I love that. And I think sometimes we do have to come back to having fun, thinking less and being just more in our body and more present. And what's really interesting before we wrap this up, it's connecting me actually to something. Even first, I want to point out that you teach this and you still sometimes struggle with expectations. And so it's a practice. And Uh I talk about this too. There's things I teach all the time that I'm still having to work through at an individual human level as well. And so keeping in mind that it's a practice, but one of the things, and I, I had a conversation recently about a school about this. It's a kid that I'm working with and they wanted this really concrete plan of how this kid was going to progress. And I kept fighting back. And the funny thing is an older version of me as a clinician would have been like, sure, we can script this out. And my reason was I wasn't trying to be like defiant to them and say no, but I'm like, I don't know how he's going to progress. It was an autistic child who has intense separation anxiety. I wasn't sure how he was going to progress through our exposures and the hierarchy and all of that. And they wanted these concrete deadlines. And we ended up coming to an agreement of we can work towards these. We have to have some flexibility. But why I bring that up here is because I want parents to realize that even in your child's therapies, you might be really getting caught up in this story of, oh, they're supposed to be here. And Philip is saying they have to reach this goal and they're not. What does that mean? And we also have to remember a lot of times for most autistic children, they do things in their own timing. And if your kid had early delays, they're probably going to have delays and other milestones, but this is where that power of yet comes in. They yes. might be hitting it according to all these little hash marks that a therapist, honestly, who is very clinically trained, but like when I decide to set goals, like in some ways I am guessing that, and I want you to hear We're all always guessing. Right. That's the truth of yeah. life. And exactly. I really connect with what you're saying. And one of the things that was so critical for me in my journey has been transformative is doing when I did my inner work to understand my own limited beliefs that come from my own trauma, then I could see where I was projecting that onto my experience with Tyler. And one of the biggest light bulb moments I had, and, and I, I think this is so important to share because I Guarantee there's some people listening to this who are like, oh my gosh, that's what's going on with me. One of the biggest light bulb moments was recognizing that some of the time when I was really upset about Tyler's therapy not going a certain way or school not working out or something in the home or when we're in public, it's because of this underlying fear about my ability as a parent. Yeah. Like not about him. It wasn't about him and his therapist or all the reasons that we put on the situation to explain how we feel, but really what it comes down to. And I felt this yesterday was I'm not doing a good enough job as a parent, Mm. because if I was, my kid would be thriving. And I think sometimes parents in the autism community put so much pressure on themselves to, and in the neurotypical parenting community as well. But as parents, we put so much pressure on ourselves to to know everything, to do everything right, because it makes us feel good about ourselves. Mm -hmm. 
And so there's another separate journey alongside of the autism path, which is learning to be okay with yourself and giving yourself the same grace and understanding and love and compassion that you give to your child and really not beating yourself up over perfectionism. Mm -hmm. Oh, so good. And this represents like the work that I do this podcast so well. And it's sometimes we don't realize that the struggle per se could be an internal struggle. And this is why taking care of yourself is absolutely part of this autism journey. How can you work through these? How can you realize some of your own narratives? And sometimes too, what I find by doing this, and I don't know, Marissa, if you experience this, it's like you have this death grip over what you want your child's journey to be like, because it depends who you are in the inside and it can get almost obsessive and it can get where you're really stuck and you're feeling really disappointed and all of this. And thinking my child's not making progress, but maybe they are. Maybe it's just about loosening the grip, letting them evolve how they're supposed to, and you being more present and noticing these little things too. And that can create so much more harmony in your household and in your life than sometimes any individual therapy that your child can go through. I agree a hundred percent. And what you're saying essentially is releasing the expectation and mm-hmm. finding the joy in, in whatever situation presents. And I, I feel like I do that every day. I think one of the hardest things to accept as an autism parent is that oftentimes you don't get to do things the way that you want to do them. Holidays, you don't get to travel the way you want to travel. Maybe not at all. Tyler hates holidays. He's we he actually has renamed Thanksgiving canceled Thanksgiving. So we have canceled Thanksgiving in our home. <laughs> and we're having canceled Christmas. These are the things that you just you have to laugh about them and you have to learn to embrace them. And I actually I wrote a chapter, I co-authored a, a book called Creating Space. And in my chapter, I talk about this instance when my son last summer what was going to summer camp. And I had advocated for two years with the YMCA to get this inclusive summer camp program going where he was able to attend with an aide. And it had worked out well for him before. And I had all these grand plans for my summer with my business and my personal life while he was at camp. And I thought he was going to be thriving and having the best time of his life. And it was a disaster. In the first couple of weeks, he showed me that it wasn't, he couldn't do it this year. So I had to pivot and decide, was I going to take him out or was I going to keep persisting with this thing that I had in my head? Mm-hmm. And what I did was I went into my intuition when I'm very big into meditating and getting into your inner voice and really just connecting with that when the outside chatter is really loud. And I knew within my gut that it wasn't the right thing for him. So I had to rearrange my entire summer but I also just tried to embrace him ha- being home and be grateful for that time with him in my space and find time to take him to the pool and do other fun things. And we actually ended up having a really nice summer and we got to spend a lot of quality time together. So there's always that silver lining. Yeah. Yeah. So I know we have to wrap up. Marissa actually yeah. has a client she's got to get to, but real quick at the end of this for episode, sure. yeah. connect us to the anti-hustle piece. How does this yeah. conversation that we've been having connect to that? Because I know. Yeah. Great question. So oftentimes I think when somebody comes to me, they don't 
they don't know that they are necessarily looking to manifest and create a life with ease and flow. They just know that they're sick of the hustle and the grind and the burnout. So this is the antithesis of hustling and grinding and forcing to create the life that you want, because you can't hustle and intellect and force and grind your way into things like peace and joy and fulfillment. They're just, they're opposite emotions, opposite feelings, opposite outcomes. So everything that I teach is in the, in my anti-hustle Academy, which is my group program and my one-to-one work with clients is around breaking out of this need to constantly be busy and fix and do and people please and check all these boxes. So it really is about letting go of expectations, learning to befriend your limiting beliefs, recognizing them, releasing them, and getting really intentional about what it is you want to create and how you're going to create that in your life. How are you going to feel better? How are you going, what different actions are you going to take? What different thoughts are you going to start practicing? So it's really this blend of, of, of rewiring and refeeling and re-evaluating your expectations. And how cool that we basically had that conversation today about autism parenting and how that is so important. And then you gave this perfect example of it was, I want to hustle with my business. And then you had to learn how to slow down, be present, take your son to the pool and do these things and spend quality time. But that at the end of the side of that, you realize there was so much joy in that. And I think releasing expectations and following this autism parenting journey, this Marissa, this has been such an awesome conversation today. So thank you. And I will say if people are, I think what's really cool about you is you connected all these dots for us today, but it's not just from this intellectual level. You have the lived experience as well, being a parent of an autistic child. So tell people um, before we wrap up, how can they connect? with you yeah. and they wanted to work with you, what would some of those next steps be? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. Break up with busy is my Instagram handle. It's also my website, breakupwithbusy.com. I have a lot of free resources there. I have a, a free guide with some strategies to start breaking out of this busy pattern and start getting into your intuition and slowing down a little bit. Free resources there. And then my co-authored book, Creating Space is on Amazon. Yeah. And I've got my personal story in there that I talked about. So awesome! I love when people DM me and I love when people send me a voice message. I'm all about the voice message (laughs) and I love hearing people's stories. So I invite all, all outreach. Oh, I love it so much. And we'll link all of that in the show notes. So it's easy for people just to go click, but Marissa, this was such a cool conversation today. I knew it would be cool talking to you in DMs, but I think it went somewhere even, I don't know, I didn't predict this today, but it went exactly where it needed to go today. So thank you for being so open, sharing your story and helping the audience to realize like that this could look a little different than maybe it does right now and how that, that change can be so impactful in the autism parenting journey. So thank you. Thank you. All right, y'all, that is a wrap for today's episode of Evolve with Dr. Tay. I will see you back here next time. Before we wrap up this episode, for real this time, I wanna share a couple ways you can get even more value and what your next steps could be. First, join the Evolve Facebook group. We do Q and A's about the episodes and so much more. I linked that group, my personal social media pages and any resources I mentioned in this episode in the show notes. So scroll down now and join me online. 
When you submit questions on any of my pages, your question could be featured on this podcast. How cool is that? I love being able to speak on topics that feel directly relevant to your life. Your questions truly make a difference in the content we create here. One last thing, do your fellow autism parents a favor. Share this episode on your social media and tag me. Autism currently affects one in 36 families in the United States and many more worldwide. So I'm sure there is a parent in your social media followers that could be served by this podcast. Thank you again for being here. And I'm so grateful we shared this time together. Bye y'all.